Hello and welcome to Joel Johnson's Money Wisdom. John Stillman here alongside Joel Johnson. He's a certified financial planner and the CEO of Johnson Brunetti, the official wealth management partner of the Yukon Huskies. Joel, always a pleasure to get your money wisdom here on Money Wisdom. And a couple of thoughts to kick off today's program for you. Um, Obviously, with the pandemic allowing tens of millions of people to work from home, uh, a lot of them now plan to relocate just since they can work from anywhere. Why do they need to live in the expensive city or expensive state that they've been living in? Uh, so estimates are saying that like 10% of U.S. households are likely to move to more affordable cities or states uh, that are more than two hours from their current location. So do you see any investing implications to all that migration? Well, I certainly see something going on in the housing market. My wife and I recently bought a house down in East Lyme. Now that the kids are gone, we can live down by the water and... <laughs> have a peaceful time down here. I don't know if that's good. Hopefully my kids aren't listening to this program, but, um, but you know, when we were looking for homes and, and this goes back to last summer, things were selling before they even hit the multiple listing services. I mean, there were houses that were selling sight unseen immediately once they went up for sale and guess who's buying them? New Yorkers. Um, people have had it with the city. Um, they've had it with high taxes and those that can afford to work from home or um, those that just want different quality of life or for whatever reason are buying homes like crazy on the coast of Connecticut. And so this is a trend that's become real, very, very real um, for those of us up here in the Northeast. And I'm sure in a lot of places, I think we're going to see a tremendous amount of growth in the population across the Sunbelt states. We're already seeing a whole bunch of people from California moving to Texas. People are moving towards Arizona, Florida, you know, Texas and Florida, there's no state income tax there. And despite what some people here in the Northeast want to think that it's just a bunch of hicks. No, it's not. I've worked and lived in both places and it's pretty advanced, especially Texas. And so um, we're going to see much more of this. And so from an investment standpoint, I think if you're looking at rental real estate or even getting involved in some of the real estate investments that are out there that specialize in areas across what we call the Sun Belt, that's probably where the growth in this country is going to. And I would not be surprised to see Places like Oregon, Seattle, um, the Northeast begin to, if not lose population, have pressure on their population bases. We've seen it here in Connecticut. Boston, because it's such a big tech area and such strong education up there with all the schools, they haven't had the problems we've had here in Connecticut. But New York, all of a sudden you're seeing problems in New York. And it's not going to help when the government and the mayor start talking about raising taxes even more than they are in New York. So again, this is a big thing for people. And whether it's from an investment standpoint or just from a place where you want to live, It's going to be, I think, um, something that the pandemic was a catalyst of, and we're going to see more and more of in the future. So I'm just curious for your own purposes, because you're you're in an interesting demographic to be talking about this. You're what, uh, early 50s, mid 50s? 58. I'm 58. Yeah, you're officially late 50s. Okay, so you're late 50s. Uh, you've had a reasonably successful career, I feel confident in saying. Um, you've had your house in Tolland that you've lived in for how many years? Oh, my goodness. Um, 16 years now. Okay, and then you just recently bought this house down on the shore. What's the long-term plan? I mean, are you going to have the house in Tolland forever? The boys are gone at this point. Yeah. um, (laughs) So here's a little window into my life. 
I am very sentimental, and I'm even more sentimental than uh, when when the boys are gone. And I have a hard time imagining selling that house that the kids grew up in. However, and and we're blessed; we don't have to sell it for financial reasons. And yeah, the taxes are high, and you don't get much money for your property taxes, and income taxes are high in Connecticut, and so on and so forth. But you know, I, I just have a hard time imagining selling that house. We love the house we bought down here on the coast. Um, it's smaller than the Tolland house, but it's really comfortable. I can see the ocean and um, it's very relaxing. So I don't know what, what our long-term plans are. And again, we're, we're blessed to be able to have some flexibility. But you know what goes into those long-term plans? There's the emotional side of it and the financial side of it. If I didn't have any emotions, we weren't send, sentimental about this area. If Wendy's family wasn't up in this area, and um, my uh, my daughter-in-law's family wasn't up in this area for financial reasons, we might move very very quickly. But like most of our clients, the reason they stay up here in the Northeast because it's not a great place if you're looking from a pure financial standpoint to live is because of that family connection, that sentimental connection, the, the love of the four seasons and so on. So at this point, I don't see us moving anytime soon. Um, I also love my company and, and working here and um, we're based here in the Hartford area, but you never know. You never know, John. We'll keep an eye on it. Uh, here's an interesting fact of the week for you, Joel. Elvis Presley's manager used to sell I Hate Elvis badges so he could make money from the people who weren't buying all the other Elvis merchandise. Pretty brilliant move. I think they call that hedging in your world. <laughs> that is pretty funny. I did not know that. I do have an interesting story here, though. When I was in high school, I grew up out in Los Angeles. Um, I was in a band with Elvis's guitar player's son. So that's kind of a... But Elvis had a guitar player named James Burton. In fact, anybody out there that's a guitar player probably knows that he is regarded as one of the best, one of the pioneers you talk to people like Keith Richards and Brad Paisley and uh, Jimmy Page and these famous guitar players. They all look at James Burton as one of the icons and the, and the real um, innovators in the world of music. And so I was in a band with James Burton's son, Jeff. So I saw a lot of Elvis stuff. Uh, James had a Cadillac Elvis had given him. I remember me and Jeff scratched it once <laughs> by looking at it. And uh, I believe there was a lot of interesting stories around Elvis. And I forget the name of the Who was the manager? Tom Perkins, Tom, yeah, something know. or other. But he did a lot of interesting things also. He was quite an innovator in the world of managing an artist. A lot of facts learned about you today. I would wager to guess that most of our audience did not know that you grew up in L.A. and definitely did not know that you were in a band with Elvis's uh, guitarist's babysitter's nephew or whatever it was. <laughs> His son. It's not that far removed. Yeah. It's like somebody that says, yeah, you know, I was watching TV and I saw Elvis on, on TV, so I know him. Right, he's my guy. It's not quite like that. By the way, I have to say, you know who else was in that band? Who was that? Frankie Avalon's son. Little wow. Frankie Avalon. So, uh, yeah. You, you were the so. only person in the band who wasn't some kind of legacy. That's, that's very, that's, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, uh, so how about this week's quote of the week? The person who doesn't know where his next dollar is coming from usually doesn't know where his last dollar went. This is an anonymous quote, but it's a good one. We need to keep track of where our money is going. And... Uh, you know, I'm not a big fan of that line item budget where every single line is accounted for, where I know I'm spending, you know, $59.27 a month on YouTube TV. But um, but I think it's important that we know where our money is going and especially when we're working, you know, that there's that old cliche, save first um, and spend what's left. And, and that's important too. you know, knowing where your savings are going, take it right off the top, but know where you're spending your money. And then you might have a good shot at knowing when your next where your next dollar is coming from. 
Very good. So, uh, Joel, let's talk a little bit about living the dream in retirement. A lot of people uh, have a very specific dream for what they want retirement to look like. A lot of people don't really have a clue. So we can't live the retirement dream until we figure out what the dream looks like in the first place. And John, let me, let, me, let me talk about something here because a lot of times people ask, well, what's the first step, Joel? When we come in and see you, we're not a client. We come in and visit with you. And you know, how does that first appointment go? We usually start with this, living the dream, because a lot of people limit their retirement by preconceived ideas they have. And so what I like to tell people is pr- pretend you had all the money you needed, that, that money was not an issue, that you could do anything you wanted to. And just imagine, what would that be? Wave that magic wand, what would your retirement look like? And it's a great place to start because people, a lot of times, they come up with their dream retirement with a lot of limitations in mind. And I like to do it backwards. I like to say, what's that dream retirement? Forget about the limitations, and then let's see if we can come as close to that as possible. One of the things, maybe one of the questions people should ask themselves are, who am I going to hang out with? What will my social circle consist of? Because a lot of people don't think about the fact that once they're gone from their job, it's a lot of their automatic social interaction that just isn't there anymore. Yeah, and this becomes a real challenge for people. Um, many people even go into, a, I guess I would call it a depression, for lack of a better word, word because they, they lose that social interaction. And a lot of times they also lose their sense of purpose if they were really productive at work, if their job was real important to them. So this is a very important thing to think about. You know, who will you hang out with? What will your social circle consist of? And where do those people frequent? You know, are they, do they frequent a country club where it might cost you some money to be a member of that country club? Um, do they uh, travel a lot? You know, is there a kind of a travel club or a ski club? You know, how is that going to affect, from a money standpoint, how is that going to affect being able to do those things? But start, as I mentioned earlier, start with the dream and then work backwards from there. So, you know, what are you going to do? Who are you going to hang out with? What does your social circle look like? Where do they frequent? And, um, what does that look like? Try to imagine that. Well, before we jump into the rest of these questions, uh, maybe we should give folks an opportunity to come in for their Money Map Retirement Review. Since you mentioned it, you said, you know, living the dream is part of that discussion. What does that process look like and how can folks take advantage of it? Well, the process is very different than what most people have been through if they're working with a stockbroker or some kind of a financial advisor, especially if that person is not a fiduciary like we are. Many times they start with the money first. It's all about the investments. How do we get a little bit better rate of return? I can do better with this. You can do better than having that mutual fund and so on. And they miss the point. The point is figure out what your dream retirement is. So that's where we start. Uh, We want to know what your goals are. What do you care about? Where do you want to live? What kind of travel do you want to do? What kind of car do you want to drive? What's the dream? And we start there and then we get back to the point that's really important. Every one of you needs to answer these questions. Will I be okay from a financial standpoint? And what rate of return do I need on my money to be okay? That's what we call our income analysis. So we want to give every one of you an income analysis, a fresh one, a second opinion that's not from the person you got the first opinion from. But to get there, we want to sit down and have you dream a little bit. And let's have some fun together. You know, let us know what you want, and let's see if we can get you there. So that's the Money Map Retirement Review. Again, that income analysis is something every one of you need. So call 1-800-705-1232, and here's the deal. 
There's no obligation. There's no pressure. We've been blessed as a firm. I think you know my style by listening to this show as long as you have. And we want to help you. But again, no pressure whatsoever. But give us a call. Make sure you get that money map. Make sure you get an income analysis so you have a clear picture of where your income is going to come from, if you're going to be okay. And make sure you get a copy of one of my books. Again, that number 800-705-1232. You can call or text, whichever is easiest for you, 800-705-1232. No cost or obligation to come in for your money map retirement review. And as Joel said, you'll get a copy of one of his books. One more time, call or text 800-705-1232. We're talking about living the dream in retirement, establishing what that dream is so that you can then build a plan around it. Talked about your social circle. What about eating. Where will you eat? How often will you eat at home? How often will you eat out? How might those habits be different from how they were when you were working? Well, I like to eat and I like to eat out. Um, Don't like to cook. Um, If I'm not with Wendy, you know, if I'm down at our house on the coast and she's up at the other house and, you know, for instance, I had to quarantine. I, I love to travel. And so I get back, I have to quarantine until I have my tests. So I'm down here at the other house and I do not like to eat at home. Now, if I'm quarantining, I, I have to go out and get the, uh, <laughs> I probably shouldn't say this. My, hopefully my trainer at the gym isn't listening to this, but you know, I get like the Marie calendars, chicken pot pies, things I don't have to cook, but I love to eat out. So where would I eat out? There's all kinds of great places, but this is something you have to imagine in retirement because this is something that's a lot of fun. And it ties back to that first one we talked about, which is who are you going to hang out with and where are your social circles? So it's really, really important that you think about where you're going to eat out. I love to eat out and you folks probably do too. Another thing that's important is just thinking about sort of an average day. What does an average day consist of? What activities are you involved in? I think a lot of people say, well, I'm not going to work and that's all that counts. Well, you know, you want to be doing something. Well, right. And this is really important. In fact, uh, the gentleman we bought the house from down here, he, uh, he worked on the house all the time and he, it filled his time. So some people love to do carpentry work or fixer upper work. Other people like to travel or ride bikes or you know, what does that average day look like? I know for me, if I'm going to stay healthy, I need to get to the gym and work with my trainer three to four times every week. Um, the other morning I rode a bike. So if I'm not at the gym, I try to do a long bike ride or something that gets my heart rate up. And I feel like if I start the day like that, then the rest of the day goes a lot better. What is that for you? You know, what does that mean for you? Is it Pilates? Is it walking? Is it, um, you know, is it maybe, getting together with friends once a day and having lunch. I knew a friend of mine that would write a thank you card every day to somebody. So imagine, again, you're talking about living the dream in retirement. Imagine what your day would consist of. What does that schedule look like? And the happiest people I know are the people that have some kind of a regiment, maybe not for the whole day, but certain things they do every day, no matter what. You're listening to Joel Johnson's Money Wisdom. We're talking about living the dream in retirement, establishing the dream, and then making the plan work for it. Exercise is another big one, Joel. What will you do for exercise in retirement? Again, a lot of people don't take into account the amount of, you know, just physical things that they do at work. Even if it's an office job, sometimes, you know, you're up and down steps a lot. You're getting up, you're moving around, depending on what your job is. Uh, What if you're a nurse? Like you're on your feet all day, you're constantly moving. So depending on your career, uh, you might have a lot of physical activity that you're getting that you don't necessarily think of as exercise. So how are you going to replace that in retirement? 
Yeah, and this is a big one we see because exercise also, you know, gets the endorphins going. It's better for mental health. You burn a lot of calories. Mentally, you burn a lot of calories. And so what are you going to do to replace that? And it's really important that you do something right away. It's not always fun to, you know, get up at 5 or 5.30 in the morning and get to the gym or get with an exercise group and so on. But it's real important that you put that structure back in your life that you probably had when you were working. So what does that look like for you? What would you like to do? It doesn't always have to be something that's, uh, that's difficult or no fun. It can be something that's a lot of fun. Last thing to mention here is something that people do think about a lot as it relates to their retirement, and that's travel. How are you going to travel? How much? Where? All these things need to be part of the plan. Yeah, and going on a cruise might not be what it used to be here, uh, if at all. And so where will you travel? Um, do, you know, do you have that second home? Maybe up north on the lake or down south? Um, what is your travel going to look like? Do you like driving? I love getting in the car and driving when I travel. There's been a few times. I've, recently, I've gone down to Virginia and the Carolinas, and I've actually chose to drive. Don't feel like driving when I'm two-thirds of the way into the trip, but you know, I get a lot done when I drive. And so I love to travel. I love to travel a lot aren't doing as much as I used to, but what does that look like for you? Where would you like to travel? Is it overseas? Friends of mine go to Europe twice a year. That's important to know. And that also is going to tie back to, you know, do you have the money to do that? But instead of, again, getting hung up on, can I afford it? Just write down the dream, get the dream in your head, and then let us figure out a way to get you there. So be sure you have the dream established, then you can build a plan around it. Again, if you'd like some help from the team at Johnson Brunetti, that number to call is 800-705-1232. Joel, let's open up the mailbag and see what kind of questions folks have for you this week. We'll start with Michael. This is presumably not your marine son. This is a different Michael who says, I'm anticipating a market crash any day now, so I have about half my IRA in cash. That means I have about $350,000. It's not really making any money, so I don't want to just leave it there for too long. How long should I wait before I reinvest it? Oh, boy. Where do I start here? Michael, you've made a mistake, and uh, you've made a mistake by having that much money in cash, and now you've got a second problem, which is now you've got to time the market, and most of the time, for instance, look at the market in the last few years. You know, If you've had 350000 sitting in cash for more than a year you've missed a big, big up move. And, um, you know, it's going to nag you because now you're worried about, oh, what if I, what if I invest the money in the market and the market goes down? So hindsight is always 2020. I might be irritating you a little bit, Michael, when I'm saying this, but you should have stayed invested. Um, if that money again is for five, 10 years out it's in an IRA. So it's probably meant to, you know, last in retirement. You're not going to spend it all at once. You know, assuming obviously that your IRA isn't three and a half, you know, five, seven million dollars, then 350,000 wouldn't be a lot. But since you're asking this question, I'm assuming that's a pretty good chunk of your IRA. Um, I would suggest that you kind of do a reset in your mind and say, I'm going to dollar cost that, average that money in. Maybe it's 35,000 a month over the next 10 months or um, something like that. But you need to get back into something that's going to grow over the long term. I had, um, I remember John Templeton was quoted, one of the great investors of all time. And what he would say is, I don't know where the market's going to be in a year, but I know where the market's going to be 10 years from now. 
And that was a pretty darn good quote. And so if that money is for 10 years or more out, or if you're not going to spend it all at once, if you're going to spend pieces at a time to create income, you got to get it back invested. Doesn't mean you take a high risk. Doesn't mean you put it all in the market. Doesn't mean you buy a bunch of tech stocks, but you've got to get it invested in something where you're at least keeping up with inflation. And I would suggest you need to be targeting a 5 to 7% rate of return or more in an IRA. But 5 to 7%, that's fairly modest over time. And I'm assuming that you took that 350000 and left it out of the market because you're worried. So you don't want to get into a situation where you invest it, the market goes down, and then you're tempted to pull it out. You've got to find some kind of a moderate investment risk that fits your personality. Good question, Michael. How about Hillary, who says, my husband and I plan to take care of one another as we get older, unless one of us is just in extremely bad health. Since this is our plan, how much long-term care coverage do we really need? To answer that question, Hillary, you need to do it from the standpoint of what if one of you couldn't take care of the other and then make the long-term care decision um, because you may not be able to take care of each other. So I would I would change your perspective on this question and assume that you couldn't take care of each other and how much do you want to insure? And is that partial insurance? Is it insuring for the whole risk? Are there other ways to go about it? Can you maybe set up some legal avenues where you protect assets for the other spouse and maybe you're eligible for some kind of assistance earlier? Um, it's kind of a can of worms you open up. It's not complicated, but there's a lot of other things involved than just buying long-term care coverage because that's not always right for everyone. But I would suggest you take that question from another standpoint is, you know, because you may be able to take care of one another. That might not be a problem at all, but pretend you can't. And how much money do you want to protect? How do you want to insure if insurance makes sense? And what type of insurance do you want? Do you want insurance where you can choose to go to a nursing home anywhere in the country, any style? Or are you okay with basic insurance? All right. One more question for you today. This is from Bob. Bob says, I have an MBA and I understand investments well, so I've always handled my portfolio myself instead of having any professional help. And I've always done well. In your honest opinion, is there really any reason for me to work with an advisor? Well, I would tell you that there's questions that you should ask to see if it makes sense, Bob, for you to work with an advisor. Um, So let me back up just a minute. Most wealthy people have a financial advisor. Um, most wealthy people understand that one of the biggest impediments for them being a successful investor is their behavior, their emotions that tempt them to do the wrong things at the wrong time. Uh, Most wealthy people also value their time a lot more and they don't necessarily want to put in the time to manage a portfolio that may be fairly substantial. So Bob, none of those things might apply to you. I I don't know, Um, but I will tell you this. Um, The smarter someone is, many times they come at investments from an analytical standpoint, not understanding that the biggest risk they face is doing the wrong thing at the wrong time. And so I would come at this question from that standpoint. What's going to happen when your money goes down 40%? It's easy being a smart person, Bob, for you to say, well, I know the market always comes back. Doesn't always work out that way. Um, giant successful investors do the wrong thing at the wrong time left to their own devices. So, you know, what you really want a financial advisor for, if it's right for you, and again, most people should have a financial advisor, not everybody, but what you want a financial advisor for is a coach that prevents you from making mistakes at the wrong time. It's not about what rate of return you've got over the last 10 years. It's about what's going to happen when you don't get that rate of return for a year, for two years, or you make a big mistake 
what type of decisions are you going to make in that environment? Um, how is it going to affect your family and so on? And that's why you would want a financial advisor. It's not about being the smartest person on the block because a lot of smart people make mistakes. A lot of smart people do real well. Most people underestimate luck um, in their financial success. It's about having a coach to prevent you from doing the wrong thing at the wrong time to give you the right perspective, Bob. So Joel, let's give folks a chance one more time to come in for the Money Map Retirement Review. Quickly, before we get out of here, tell us a, a quick summary of how that visit goes when somebody comes in for that. Well, we've talked about a lot on this program and you probably have related to one thing or the other. You probably had questions about one thing or the other. Come in and talk about whatever you want to talk about. Make sure you leave our office though with a custom income analysis that tells you exactly how much money you need to last for the rest of your life. Are you going to be okay? That's the question everybody wants the answer to. Am I going to be okay? And that's the question I'd put to you right now and get a copy of our income analysis. It's customized for you, but it'll answer the question, are you going to be okay? And what rate of return do you need on your money to be okay? There's no obligation, no charge. It's completely up to you whether you want to engage us after that point or not, but make sure you get your custom income analysis based on your needs, based on your dreams. Call 1-800-705-1232. Once again, one 800 705-1232. You can also text your name to that number and we'll get back to you and set up a time to visit. 800-705-1232. That's 800-705-1232. No cost or obligation to come in for your Money Map Retirement Review. Call or text to start the process of getting that set up. 800-705-1232. Joel, it's always a pleasure. Thanks so much for your wisdom. And we'll do it all again next week, same time, same place, right here on Joel Johnson's Money Wisdom. Money Wisdom is sponsored by Johnson Brunetti. Investment advisory services offered through JB Capital LLC, a registered investment advisor. Insurance products offered through JN Financial LLC. Johnson Brunetti is a paid sponsor of the Yukon Huskies athletic program. Better Money is sponsored by Johnson Brunetti.